0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. From Dial Square to Ware is proud to have Gunners vs. Cancer as its charity sponsor for the season. Set up by the Gunners podcast, it is a brilliant charity raising money for leukemia and lymphoma research. Please help me to help them reach their fundraising goal by visiting GunasVsCancer.com and see how to donate or bid for some great Guna merchandise. Thank you. This extra episode was recorded as a video on the move, so the sound quality is unfortunately affected by the background noise. I apologize for this but wanted to bring you the audio. I hope you enjoy it. Please remember you can contact me with any questions or comments on the email address, from Dial square to where at gmail.com or on twitter which is, at from Dial Square. Please remember to tell your friends about the podcast and if you haven't already, Please subscribe. Thank you.
1: Hi everyone. This is another extra video that I wanted to put out today. Um, I wanted to sort of talk about something that uh, I was tweeting about today um, with regards to the media. Again, I've been going on about it for a while. About the negativity uh, caused by the media towards Arsenal and no other team. And um, I listened to a podcast today, as I do. It was the totally football show. And um, I wasn't picking on them particularly. Um, I do really like that podcast, but, again, they were going through a preview about the Premier League. And what, um, I'd say, wasn't the biggest thing, I've come across. I've put a lot, a lot more out there on Twitter. Um but very, very I know, mean, I suppose, is the word, with their, uh, assessment of Arsenal. And the fact that we signed Pepe, one of the most sought-after young stars in Europe for the last, uh, year and we got in ahead of a lot of other teams and the fact that he actually left the Champions League team to come to us as well and chose us above other uh, Champions League clubs it says an awful lot and it's a big big signing for Arsenal very exciting signing for Arsenal but not just our club either for the Premier League as a whole bringing him in to, uh, to England so I thought that sort of signing, it does warrant a lot more press, I think, than glossing over it saying, we have got a good forward line, but not really talking about Pepe at all. And then, go on to talk about Spurs, and just sort of celebrate the signing of Ndombele, who, who Whatever a good player he is, he's not going to be the transformative player for Spurs in the same way that Pepe could be for Arsenal. But instead, it's all negativity for Arsenal. Well, we've got an absolute rubbish defense. So, according to a lot of pundits, we're going to be really struggling to even stay in the top six, which I think is an absolute joke. With the team that we've got now, ...without potentially signing Booker Meccano or uh, Tini as well... ...then we are still going to be challenging for the top four... ...because we're stronger than we were last season. Yes, we've lost Koscielny... ...but we are going to be having uh, holding back really soon. I think he's ahead of schedule. Played for the under-23s a couple of days ago. So he's not putting too far off. And I'm sure that before we get Bellerin back, which will be probably towards the middle end of next tomorrow, we can get through with um, Ainsley, Mager, Niles at uh, right back, Holding and uh, Socrates at being the centre of defence. And in the meantime, before Holding comes back, the Chambers, who's looked uh, you know, he's, he's bearing in mind he's spent all last season playing in midfield can't just go by his performances at, um, in pre-season, but well, I think he's been pretty steady in pre-season. He has made some, uh, you know, a few sort of misjudgments here and there, yes of course, but it's pre-season. So I'm sure Chambers is not going to be shitting the bed alongside um, Socrates in the early parts of the season. So I, I just can't understand. I mean, the negativity and the net, the headlines coming out that we've all seen, and I've reposted a few on uh, on Twitter. With regards to our offers that we made for Zaha, for example, you know, Skint, Arsenal offer peanuts for Zaha, and we offer to pay in 100 instalments, that sort of thing. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but it basically is worse to that effect. And um, no other team. Gets that, And no other team, again, in the whole of England, can anyone please email me on from to Where at gmail.com if you can tell me one other team that has their supposed transfer budget bandied around and mocked in the press. There isn't any. And obviously, as it's turned out, it's an absolute load of rubbish anyway. Although. We probably haven't spent more than about £45 out up upfront in cash. But even so, the way it's always reported, as we all know, is the fact that we have only got £45 million to spend in total, blah, blah, blah. And it's just promoted in a a negative way. So, I uh, I tweeted about it this morning and I um, mentioned the Totally Football Show. In tweet, um, and it's got a well. I haven't actually checked it since about lunchtime. So, but up until lunchtime when I last looked at Twitter, it um, has quite a big thread already sort of developing, and a couple of the people from the from the football show actually uh, commented on it as well, saying that they were actually quite pleasant towards Arsenal. Which, and like I said, I've I'm not, I wasn't. It's just one of those triggers, you know, that you have from time to time, which makes you sort of a, a bit, a bit angry. Whereby Spurs, who can absolutely do no wrong in the media, they get praised non-stop, even though they've achieved precisely nothing. And for all that Pochettino has done for that club, and what they haven't achieved we were getting roundly mocked for years under Arsene Wenger for getting top four with really poor squads as well um, for quite a few seasons. You still achieved top four I think it was 17-18 seasons on the trot that you got top four Um, but we got roundly mocked saying that we considered it a trophy but in amongst all that time we were winning trophies as well. We've been Premier League champions several times, FA Cup champions several times, etc. And we actually got to the Champions League final ourselves, of course, before Spurs league. But because Pochettino has done that with a very little budget, he's getting praised like no other. Like he's the best manager in the world. I'm not saying he's a poor manager, well, you know, don't get me wrong, but he's not a poor manager, clearly, but for what he's done, times that by about ten for what Wenger achieved, with very, very tight purse strings as well, and we don't get anywhere near that sort of praise by the media. So, it's very, very annoying, and erm... Um, like I said, have a look back on my timeline to have a look at all the uh, things that I've reposted about the media going past, and you'll see exactly what I mean. I'm sure a lot of you know what I'm talking about anyway. Um, the game podcast today, as well, listen to that. Again, they think that our top six status is going to be under threat. But everyone, pretty much every media outlet that you or listen to or read have Spurs nailed on as finishing third again. The top two, everyone is, everyone, but everyone is saying that it's going to be Liverpool and Man United, even like over Man City, I beg your pardon. I can understand that. But I don't think that Liverpool are specifically nailed on to be the second um, best team in the country this year. It pop- might well be, and I'm not going to say that they're not going to achieve that, it would be stupid to do that, but I don't think it's, it's cut and dry. They'll be, I mean, it's absolutely incredible if both them and Man City are going to get the same level of points as they did last year, with the other teams around them um, strengthening as well. And... I've I've said this before, but I think a a hell of a lot clicked for uh, Liverpool last season, and I I can't help thinking it's just one of those years where everything just went right for them, and um, I can't see it happening again. I think they're they're not going to go through the whole season only losing one game again. I just can't see that happening. And um, we are in a position whereby, quite conceivably, Going to be a much better off points wise than we were last year. I don't think we're going to lose as many stupid games as we did last year. Um, I don't think we're going to lose draw as many stupid games as we did last year either. And um, it will only get better, of course, if we do strengthen the defence. And if we did strengthen the defence, then we're not going to have a squad that is far behind. Liverpool's, But if at all, in lots of cases, Liverpool's midfield work well as a unit and like a, a, a machine, but the individuals that they have aren't particularly special, in my opinion, and um, they've still got, um, Milner, uh, 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 Jordan Henderson, um, Ryan Alden who, you know, they're all decent players, but they're not—they're not world-class, amazing individuals, are they? And I think with the midfield that we've got now, much more mobile and direct, and young and energetic, and um, progressive and forward-thinking, um, and our front three, of course, even not even considering the youngsters that we've got coming through, that are very dynamic and uh, exciting as well, then if we did strengthen our defence, then there's no absolutely no way that we are going to be too far away from clubs like that. Now, the big difference is, of course, the managers. Now, Jürgen Klopp, whatever you think of him as a person, he's a fantastic manager and uh, I really like him. I like the way he comes across in... um, Press conferences, I like the way he he sets his teams out, and that's why they've achieved what they've achieved, of course, over the last uh, couple of years in their progression. Um, The jury's still out on on Emery for me, Um, and I think the best way that he can attack this season, Emery, is um, really just be brave and let the players express themselves up in forward positions make the defenders defend uh, They you want the, the ball played out from the back which is understandable but once they the defenders have played the ball out from back stay in defense and defend first and foremost pass it to these um great new midfielders that we've got like uh, Ceballos and uh, Willock and Gendouzi all exciting players and just let them progress the ball, get it forward to the, the attackers, um, he needs to be brave and just go for it this season because if he is keeps resorting back to the back three and playing sort of dull football that we had for large portions of last season and still ends up with the same result, then he's not going to do his own reputation any good whatsoever and we're going to end up no better off. Whereas, if he sticks to a a solid team, um, once the end of the transfer window comes and we know what defence we've got to play with, now, he should stick to a solid foundation in the team and play a good brand of attacking expressive football. And if he is brave, and does that, then who knows what we could achieve. Now the 24, I think it was 24 point gap that we had between ourselves and uh, Liverpool, um, could quite easily be overcome. Now that sounds stupid, but Liverpool did it last season. They were 20 points, 25 points behind Man City. They finished just a point off. I'm not going to say it's going to be as transformative as that. like I said earlier, I don't think that Liverpool are going to be achieving 97 points again. Now, they could quite conceivably, you know, finish maybe 10 points off that. And that will still be considered a fantastic season under any circumstances, finishing on 87 points. But if they did um, get to that level, finish off on uh, the 87 point mark around that sort of figure, um that means that we uh, would be 15 points off from what we finished on last season, and that's five wins. Five wins, that's all. And I, I just, uh, no one can tell me that there weren't five games last season that we shouldn't have won. No one can convince me of that. And oh, that doesn't include draws that we yeah, could, could have converted to wins as well. So if they drop ten points, we gain another fifteen. It's just not, not going to be beyond the realms of possibility, is it? So um, Spurs have gradually declined points-wise over the last two seasons. Um, there's no, there's nothing that they've done so far that makes me think that uh, they're not going to carry on in that vein losing 20 games last season just shows you how spurs spurs are and they finished in third position not because of what they did but because ourselves, Chelsea Man United all shit the bed even worse than they did at the end of the season and that's it they got there by default of the rest of us unfortunately and I don't think that's going to happen again this coming season. And they've had so many um, seasons now where they've had a settled squad. Uh, This season, again, they've only added one player. And they've had too many players there for too many years. And I can't remember who it was that said the famous line, if you carry on doing the same thing, you'll get the same results. And um, that's what Spurs are doing. They've had too many players there for too long. And it's gone a bit stale. So for me, they are there for the taking, and I cannot understand why the media are all putting them down as finishing third, nailed on. Again, I really can't. So there, that's why um, I tweeted out what I did earlier. It's more in frustration as an overall situation of the media, rather than that specific podcast. Um... But it's going on and on, and everyone's saying the same, and it gets me very, very frustrated. Anyway, I'll be back with a regular pod before you know it. Have a good day. Bye-bye.